Welcome to Compassion Radio 360. Morning, honey. It's time for a brand new Compassion Radio's 360. We're going to be tackling an interesting story, and I loved it because of the kid at the center of it. But it's yeah. also going to be a bit challenging to our Christian identity. I think is the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. What does it really mean to be Christ in the middle of some pretty anxious times? Yeah. Welcome back. Well, thank you. I have to admit, I was a little hesitant to do this article because of the volatile political climate that we're in right now. It always concerns me when we go into those weeds, but I know that's something <laughs> that we want to do here on Compassion Radio. Well, Compassion Radio has always been about this. Right, because that's what we do. We go into the weeds. There's been times in the past 40 years even when Norman Cher stepped in to say something as simple as, we need to be sending more Bibles to churches who are asking for them. Mm-hmm. There were literally networks that had some... Um, consternation, I'll put it that way, (laughs) at us actually raising money for our Bible partners because we have all these problems at home, was the rationale it was used. So we had to stand up for the things we believe had us on point for things like the Great Commission. You know, getting out there and actually fulfilling what Jesus has to do. And you can't really build disciples or build churches without the words. So that was really important for yeah, us at the time sure. to provide them those tools. Yeah. We need new tools today to be civil with each other, even within the church. Unfortunately, we've seen it ourselves, sitting in the pews with friends, people we love, where arguments erupt inside the sanctuary mm-hmm. over political things before the words even coming to us from the pulpit. Mm-hmm. And then there's more politics from the pulpit that seems to be an issue. And people take exception to that. I do because I come from a tradition what some might call passivism. But really what it was was uh, proactive resistance to violence. Yeah. And I come from a history of Mennonites. And those people ended up in America because they were fleeing persecution by other religious sectarian groups who had co-opted their governments and were chasing them down for not being as militant as they were and for not being willing to fight in everybody's wars. Right. And this doesn't have anything to do with putting down what our military stands for and who those people are. We have dear friends that have gone through the military, have been in military for years and are currently in the military. And And we have the greatest respect for our military and what they stand for around the world, defending our freedoms. And we've also been in situations where because we're on the field doing some of our project work, we run across military personnel who are deeply wounded emotionally, spiritually, and otherwise Mm -hmm. by the things they've had to endure or had to be involved in that has immense moral consequences. We don't shy away from the fact that these are difficult things for those who serve our country. Especially for those who believe, like we do, that we're part of a kingdom. We actually are following Jesus Christ. Our highest allegiance is to the kingdom of God and to his family around the world. And therefore, to love the world into the kingdom, not to shun the world from the kingdom. Right, right. So all those things are an admixture for us when we approach anything we look at Mm -hmm. here domestically or internationally that is likely to have an impact on the way the church is committing themselves to the Great Commission and to committing themselves to the kind of true religion that James talks about in his epistle. So those will always, I think, be core concerns for us and core values and core thrust of our programming. Mm -hmm. We want people to recapture what Jesus has told us is the first love, which is to live for him no matter what. Right. I think the thing that pushed me over the edge to finally do this article is because of our recent time spent in the book of Jude, Mm -hmm. realizing that Jude is addressing some of these kinds of issues, things that have come up in the church, within the the body itself, that are just antithetical 
to what Jesus Christ is telling us to do. And who he was. And who he was. Because Jesus never calls us to do something that is against his nature or even his personality. He's saying, be like me. Everything he said about being a shepherd, mm-hmm. being a servant was, just follow my example. Right. No matter what kind of person you are, whether you're an intimate friend who really feels things like John seems to do in his gospel, or you're a blathermouth and a pompous guy like Peter walking into this, or you're a zealot like one of the Simons, <laughs> no matter what your personality type is, Jesus always tells every single one of those disciples and followers who became apostles, follow my example. Yes. Don't follow my ideas. Don't believe what I said. Act like it means something to you Mm -hmm. and find a way to make it work in your particular situation, in your life, in your family, in your context, who you are, the person you're building. Right. Jesus is always calling us to that. And that's why I love, again, the story we're about to read to you today. So if you don't mind introducing it to us. The title of the article is called How an Author, a NASCAR Star, and a Young Boy Flipped Let's Go Brandon on Its Head. Now, I don't like it when I see that phrase on flags, on bumper stickers, on window placards, on anything, because we know what it means. Everybody in America who's had any attention to news or to politics in the past four years knows what this phrase doesn't just say, but what it represents. Yes. And we're not going to reiterate that or try to amplify that in any way. But you all know what we're talking about. This flag This emblem, this saying, this bumper sticker has become a stand-in for a certain kind of profanity, Mm -hmm. a certain kind of uh, verbal abuse against political leaders, and to state something else bigger that's implied. Mm -hmm. We all know that. So we're not going to spend our time dissecting that one. Shalita Brundage is the woman at the center of this article, and she has a gift for writing children's books, and she has done so throughout the years for all of her children. She had one book left to write, and that's for her son named Brandon. And she was struggling to figure out what to write for him and how to make the story really encapsulate him and who he is. And it was really wearing on her because she didn't know what to write or how to write it. And why it's important to her is because three of her four children are on the autism spectrum. And telling a story that would mean something important to each one of the children was important first, but also would be a way for other children to understand better the kind of kids she was raising. Mm -hmm. So it was about building awareness and compassion and empathy for those who may be different like these children might be in their own schools. Mm -hmm. So it was an effort to build bridges. Yeah, and she was trying to get it written before the month of April because that's Autism Awareness Month. So she was behind the eight ball here trying to figure out how to get it done, and she was really struggling. So in March, they went camping. They let their children run and play and earn the campground. If you've ever been part of the camping community, the RV community or whatever, you go to these campgrounds. They're just children everywhere. And it's really fun to watch. And they are your ambassadors. They bring everybody together. They do. They do. So she said that her son is normally quiet and shy and withdrawn and not very conversational with others. And as a parent who's had multiple children... We have seen it ourselves that there's something about the lower children on the totem pole, so to speak, that they're always kind of overwhelmed by the older kids in the group. In our case, our youngest was much more shy than the older ones because they were always jabbermouths. Yeah. And he was quite a bit younger than the other ones. So we kind of get that. It's really easy to see the youngest child in a group being the one who's most reserved. So then it was kind of a surprise to her when she noticed that he's chatting up with all these people. He's just being really chatty and he's laughing and he's excited and just this newfound bravado that he had. Mm-hmm. She's like, 
what is going on here? I don't understand it. So she asked him, what is making you so brave right now? What is happening? And she said, he told her, these are my people. They're my fans. They love me. How do you know that? And he said, look, there's a sign over there that says, let's go, Brandon. It's telling me they believe in me and they're excited for me. They're cheering me on. She realized that's the book that I need to write Mm. about how this has encouraged my son. If you're a parent, you know, in that flash scene, all that was going through that mother's mind. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. My tendency would be to explain, no, 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 hon, this is not what that means. That's my tendency to dash him in that sense. She has lived with this in her children, lived with their innocence Mm -hmm. in a way that there's no guile in them. Yeah. And that's an important word. When we talk about innocence, it's not just not knowing evil. The lack of guile means that our response to the world is not complicated. It's love. Mm -hmm. And without guile, you are without cynicism. You are without suspicion. Right. You live in a way that's open. Yeah. I'll credit this mom for actually engendering that in her children and building it into them because it's one of their strengths, especially autistic kids. When they believe in something and they trust something, it is absolute. We have friends that have autistic children that are like this. They're not just kind. They take seriously everything you say. Yeah. Yeah. And they take it to heart. What I think is miraculous about this story is that the thing that Brandon took to heart immediately was the literal message of the flag that he saw in that campground. And perhaps hearing the kids in the campground chanting this very phrase when they find out what his name is. They probably spoke it a number of times. They may not have been so free of guile, Mm. but he was. And what she did next is beautiful. She wrote a book called Brandon Spots His Sign. And it's about a little boy that's confused and lost and doesn't know what to do next. He's discouraged and he sees a sign that encourages him to keep going, to keep persevering. Knowing what the chance spotting of this sign had done for her son, she wanted to communicate that with the world around him saying, this is his innocent mind seeing something that encouraged him that we all know is not meant for encouragement. It is a redeeming moment. For that yes. very message. And yeah. not for Brandon, the child. The Brandon already inhabits this place of purity. Mm-hmm. He's just believing good things, and he's, he's grateful for the message that came to him. It's for the rest of us. When you redeem something, you bring it back from the brink for those who feel a sense of loss. And I feel that sense of loss when I look about how that phrase has been used to abuse people and to abuse our system, mm-hmm. to abuse our culture by making profanity acceptable by disguising it. And I say that is anti-Christ. So I'm not afraid to say to my Christian friends, this is not only unnecessary, it's not acceptable Mm -hmm. within the context of following Christ. Christ does not use profanity at us or towards anybody. He doesn't even let his angels rebuke the devil rudely. Mm -hmm. He is absolutely who he is and stays who he is every time he is somewhere. We ought to be the same way. So that's our call. So I'm not afraid to say, The phrase has got to go. It does not belong in the Christian church. It doesn't belong in the pews. It doesn't belong on our bumpers. If we follow Christ, we ought to let that one go. Yeah. Compassion Radio will continue to keep bringing you encouragement from the Word, inspiring stories from the front lines of faith, and awesome opportunities to make a difference for the kingdom around the world. But we need your help right now to continue doing just that. Please take a moment today to consider how you might help us to accomplish our unique media ministry and mission. Remember, friends, Compassion Radio is always a coalition of the willing. 
Are you willing to help get out God's good news stories of the kingdom really living the gospel in the 21st century? Oh, I hope so. Thank you, friends, for standing with Compassion Radio during these times of great change to our normal life. Of course, there's nothing normal about our situation, but there's also nothing normal about the kind of faith and power we find in Jesus. And we have a very special giving opportunity for a special offering to the church in Ukraine. And I beg of you, send your best gift today to support the Christian family there. Just visit our website, CompassionRadio.com, or call our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. Our mailing address is Compassion Radio, P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. Reach out to us whatever way works for you. And now, back to our discussion. Christ does not use profanity at us or towards anybody. He doesn't even let his angels rebuke the devil rudely. Mm-hmm. So I'm not afraid to say the phrase has got to go. It does not belong in the Christian church. It doesn't belong in the pews. It doesn't belong on our bumpers. If we follow Christ, we got to let that one go. Yeah, agreed. There's another brand in the story whose name has been co-opted for this subject that probably has a little bit of misgivings, too, about how his name has been misused. Mm-hmm. And that is a NASCAR driver. What happened from his office when that book became public? Well, his name is Brandon Brown, and he is a pretty famous NASCAR driver. This phrase was originated, not by him, right? but because of him. An interview happened, and people were chanting something behind him that sounded like, let's go, Brandon, but it was not. So he picked up on this. He heard about the book. He wanted to reach out to this family. So his people reached out to them and invited Brandon Brundage and his mom, his family, to a NASCAR race. Awesome. Brandon was able to go into the pit area with the drivers. When Brandon Brown met Brandon Brundage and his mom, he was able to see how words affect other people and how this phrase, let's go Brandon, had been used for negative in so many ways but now was being used for something very positive, a word of encouragement. To a specific kid. To a specific kid. And that was important to him. That was profoundly changing for him. If I was sitting in Brandon Brown's seat and I was watching my name be co-opted for political purposes, and I find a story about another Brandon, a kid who's innocent and is loving, Mm -hmm. no matter what my feelings might have been about my name being misused for the past year and a half, I look at that and say, I'm proud to be a Brandon. Yeah. There's more to the way the story plays out, but for our purposes today, it's not essential to go into all the details of the article. I'm going to wrap it up with a scripture here, but I want to capture that idea of what it's proud to carry the name means. Because for us as Christians, to carry the name of Christ is not like us just carrying an honorific before our name, like Mr. or Dr. or whatever. Those words, those things we put in front of our names mean something, mm-hmm. but they become so familiar we don't even pay attention to it. I'm Mr. Floria to some people. Mm-hmm. I'm dad to others. The words in their context have different meanings and different importances to me. But Christian seems to have been co-opted for politics in our country, in a lot of countries. And to say you are even evangelical, which is our heart, we come from that ourselves, being used strictly to define politics and people's voting patterns and their economics and their views on this, that, or the other, having nothing to do with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that the word evangelical is quite the opposite of what the word means, which is evangel, to come speak the joy, the truth, the new story, to bring it to others, to enlighten others and invigorate their hearts with that story. Mm -hmm. That's what evangelism means. 
To be evangelistic, to be an evangelist, is supposed to be about lifting people up into the story so they can discover the reality of it. But when evangelical is used only to describe people's voting habits Mm -hmm. and put them in a box, and the evangelicals accept that and start acting like the world defines them as, as being opposite something or against other things or against people groups, Something has completely melted down with the identity. The scripture I want to turn to focus on right now is a real simple one. We've heard probably all of our lives. And that comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 10, verse 16, which in the New International Version reads like this. I, Jesus, am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Other translations talk about being wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Mm -hmm different ways of using kind of the twist on those words in Aramaic and Greek. The idea basically is that doves are inoffensive. So when people look at you, there shouldn't be a fence flowing out. It just shouldn't be. No one looks at a dove and says, oh, what a disgusting creature. In our hearts, we hear the coo of a dove. We Mm -hmm. say, that's a pretty sound. Many of them mate for life, and they're a good example of marriage for us by their example (laughs) in nature. There's something about doves that just always stood for innocence, peace, and calm. So we know what dove means across the cultures and the centuries. We know what wolves mean to us. We know what sheep mean to wolves. Mm -hmm. So when Jesus says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves, we misunderstand that one. Yeah. A lot. He's not saying, I'm sending you out because you're my sheep. And therefore, you just do what I say. You have no discernment. You have no wisdom. You have no insight. You have no courage. He's not saying we're idiots. What he's saying is, I'm sending you out as the world would see you as sheep, as prey, Mm -hmm. as easy pickings. When you go out there innocent and say, this is the truth. This is the life I'm living. I'm saying no to these things of the world. I don't need them. And we're mocked for that. Then, you know... It can be problematic for our lives and our peace to be always assaulted with people's insults because of who we say we follow, because of who we say we love, because of who we say we are going to obey. Yeah. That looks weak to the world. And the wolves love to eat sheep. (laughs) Yeah, they do. They do. I'm reminded again of the book of Jude and how Jude is so adamant in his warning to the church. These people have crept in unaware. They've been unnoticed. They've snuck in and they're sitting next to you in the pews quite often. And this doesn't mean be suspect of everyone around you. That's not what he's saying. But he's saying just be wise. Be aware of the people around you. See what's going on. And they're ungodly people. Their condemnation has already been predicted, he's saying. So these people are not there to uplift the body of Christ and to strengthen the body. They are there to dissect the body and to cause dissension between brothers and sisters in Christ. Which is the devil's best work. Yeah. That does not mean to say that every single person who is discouraged or cynical or is used to profanity or insult as a way of life are the devil's tools every time. Right. But they have been affected by something. Mm -hmm. So who would have thought until now that when Jesus was saying, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves, didn't refer to just us in the world. Mm -hmm. But it's those who want to follow and live for Jesus Christ stepping into their own churches. Yeah. That baffles me, and I grieve that, Mm -hmm. because I do believe there are many people that are thinking this very thing. Do I really want to go to church this week knowing what I'm going to face and the attitudes that will be there? Who do I not want to see this week because of the garbage we've been seeing in the news and the arguments over it? And because of what they posted on Facebook. Yeah. There is that issue, 
Jude, in that study we did with our Chasing the Word series on the book, was not about condemning the condemners within the body. It was to wake up the sleeping mm-hmm. so they could see what was around them and so they could redeem the time and make sure that the witness within the church was solid, that the prayers were pure, and that the love still lived on even when there was hate around them. So even if there's hate within the walls of our own churches, the answer is not to hate them back or drive them out. It is to love where you are. And it is to stand up to attitudes in love. But standing up to attitudes in love is not easy. No. It requires the wisdom of a snake. Because <laughs> the wisdom you're going to need, the, the cunning, is going to have some bite to it. There's going to be ways we have to withhold some words. and Sometimes we have to speak the word boldly to each other, mm-hmm. not just to the outside world. And that is the challenge. And I think when Jesus says, I'm sending you out, he's not kidding. He's saying, I'm actually by my authority, sending you out as my ambassador to face the wolves wherever you find them and not to be ashamed or afraid and not for feeling like an idiot for being a sheep when you face a wolf. Right. That the kind of lion we serve, our shepherd, is actually far fiercer than we could ever be about what's real, what's true, and what is his agenda, which is to redeem all mankind, including those naysayers, including those people who are stuck Mm. in a profane world even within what they would call Christianity. I'm not calling to arms anybody. What I'm saying is we are sheep. We have to be sharp and as shrewd as the serpent in order to be able to face the world for what it is and not be afraid of it. Yeah. So I am grateful for Brandon Brundage, the child at the center of this story, for being exactly who God made him to mm-hmm. be and for showing us who God made him to be is a beautiful thing and that God himself who made him is a beautiful thing. Our God is an awesome God, and he gives us the strength to stand up with calm and with courage and with peace. Be as innocent as doves and be inoffensive in every way. And if our inoffensiveness causes offense to those who are constantly offended and want to offend others, you can't stop that. But you can call truth truth, and you can call a lie a lie and say, we're not going to live that way. What you have to say to me, I'm Teflon. In Jesus, I'm covered with this. So if you're going to have to assault somebody or throw some aspersions, you're throwing them at Jesus, not me. Right. But live in a way that's not offensive. That's our call. And I think Brandon Brundage is a great sentinel of this. He is our leader in this way. I'm thankful for his mom for writing that book and for getting Brandon Brown's attention. I would love to see this whole thing flipped and in short order for the world to say, wait a minute, we don't need to be this way. We don't need to be talking this way. We don't need to be talking this way in the church. We need to be the people that people can count on to be kind Yes. In every way. Yes. And respectful of others. Yeah. Closing words? I'm really glad we did this article because I think that it has reminded me of my need to be kind to others as well. And even if I'm very offended when I see these signs all over the place, I need to be reminded that I have to be an agent of peace in Mm. this. I have to be an agent of encouragement to others in this time regardless of how offended I am by what I'm seeing. And I'm reminded that I need not to be offended all the time. Yeah. It's not going to do me any good to see every sign or every bumper sticker out there that's either in veiled language or in outright profanity condemning somebody to be offended every time I see it. Mm -hmm. This is the world. I'm not going to condemn the world and be angry at it all the time because that will crowd out my place of peace with Jesus too. Yeah. If I'm in love with him, The rest of stuff will take care of itself as I live my life as God calls me to. I don't need to sort out everybody else's problems. (laughs) Exactly. 
But I also don't need to say, oh, it's fine, because it's not. We have to live wise and innocent at the same time. Yeah. And that's our story for today. Click the link to the article that's the inspiration for this program on our website, CompassionRadio.com. And we'll see you next Monday for the next new Chasing the Word series. Robed in holy splendor, like thunder we will stand. The voice of every saint declaring, Friends, we're focused right now on the current crisis in and around Ukraine. I personally met with dozens of refugees and kingdom workers who ran to the front lines of need and have selflessly given of themselves completely, thoroughly, and as I saw, to the point of indescribable exhaustion. I saw refugee and servant alike shiver in a vicious blizzard that struck the first week of March. They were very much alike in one important way. They were absolutely determined to survive this ordeal and to redeem what their lives have become. We need to follow their example. Will you help us today? We have blankets and food to buy, tanks to fill with gas, and medicine to help them survive the days ahead. This need is not going away anytime soon. Friends, really, we need you now to step up. Please give generously, even sacrificially, right away. I know that God will be pleased if we do. So call us today at 1-800-868-2478. Mail us at P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859, or give online at CompassionRadio.com. We need you, friend, so contact us today.